Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here. It's amazing. I thought it was just going to be me up here, but in the next in the last 15 minutes, it just fills up. It's awesome. So uh, let me open in prayer. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for another Shabbat. And Father, uh, we just thank you that we have this awesome place that you provided for us to come together to learn your words, to grow closer to you, Father. We thank you for that. Father, there's many of us uh, here that are not with you. Uh, my wife, Mark and Polly, they are, um, they're celebrating a birthday for, for Ruby, Mark's mother, who's going to be 99. And Father, that is awesome. And I ask that you just watch over all of them and bring them back home safely, Father. We thank you for all that you do. And help us to grow closer to you. Empower us with your spirit. We thank you. Amen. Well, okay. Well, the, um, as usual, the first half, I got some things, stuff that I'll go through. And then I'll kind of, after, I, if I can get to a certain point, then I'll uh, open up the mic for any comments. And as usual, just raise your hand. And John, the mic will find its way to you. And we just ask to be on point and be brief if you can. All right. So let's start with a quick review. We just read about the cursing of the fig tree, and we looked at some background on the fig tree in the Tanakh. Or we looked on the background. We went back to the Old Testament and saw how it how it was used and why it was used and things of that nature. So. Let's read, I have Hosea 9.10. It states this. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as first fruits on the fig tree in its beginning. They themselves have gone to Baal Peor and separated themselves to shame and became an abominable as which they loved. So, a real quick refresher from like uh, where we're at. Yeshua is in Jerusalem at the time of Passover. We were discussing the fig tree and maybe some of the reasons why it's being used as a teaching tool. Okay. We will see. Um, we will see how it refers to Israel and maybe a specific group within Israel itself. Now. Most figs uh, that I discovered, most figs fruit twice a year, and the fruit only ripens on the branch. Uh, this photo I shared with you last week to show you, um, show you of the, uh, show you the figs on the on the branch itself. You see how they grow right from the br- the branch stalk, and I think that's kind of interesting. You know, and, and two, I shared with you that uh, they can only ripen when they're on. The, the branch. They're not like a, a, 
uh, a typical fruit or some other fruit that we have where you take it off and it ripens, they ripen right there. As soon as you take it off, it stays. It, doesn't, it will not ripen unless it is on the branch. So we could use the analogy uh, that I used last week is, you know, one needs to stay close to him in his commandments to bring forth a mature, sweet fruit. So I think that is really, really interesting, staying close to him in order for your fruit, your actions, you know, to really be righteous actions. And of course, the fig tree, uh, the fig tree was, introdu- was introduced, was, it first was in the beginning, right? In the beginning chapters of Genesis, in the garden, we have Adam and Eve who clothed themselves with the, with the fig leaves. So what does that tell us? I thought this is kind of, what does that tell us in that sense? All right. Any, any amount of acts we can do, there is not enough acts that we can do to cover our sin. All right. Because we see that, that's what I saw in the, if we look at it in that sense in the garden. Because they went and clothed themselves with fig leaves. Tried to cover themselves up. And it was not sufficient. So that means whatever they tried to do, whatever we try to do, will not be sufficient enough. Okay? So what we are to do, but we live by and guard the commandments. We have, that's what we are given, right? So... Here's a thought. Disobedience to his voice got us death, right? Because they disobeyed, death entered in. So if we take that logic, so does that mean, does it make any sense then for more disobedience to his commandments are going to be a blessing and bring life? (laughs) So throwing them away or saying that they are not good or they've been done away with, that makes no sense either. So you can see why we do need uh, a Messiah. We do need redemption. So tossing them aside, saying they, they have been done away with, is not going to bring life. It's actually going to do just the opposite. Okay? Here I highlighted this one section. I read most of this, I believe, last week. But this one section, this is kind of where where we left off last week. So this highlighted section of this article from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. It says, uh, this acted parable must be compared with Luke 13. Um, Now the time of judgment has surely come. The fate of the fruitless Jewish nation was forcibly foretold. Now, again, the subject of where we're at is about the cursing of the fig tree, okay, and why it was cursed. So let me, uh, we read that point. Here you see the mention of, of the, the fig is a uh, prophetic pending judgment in a sense, and we'll read that. So Yeshua, which is interesting, because we do have, um, Yeshua does state uh, that Jerusalem, you have missed your day of visitation. That was one of the things. Oh, Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you like a hen, right? But you would not have it, okay? 
And we know in that sense of her looking, the Messiah speaking this over Jerusalem and what is going to happen in the future, we do see later the Romans came in and destroyed that temple in 70 AD. All right? So, in amongst us, we're looking at this fig tree. This plays a part in all of this as well. So, I thought this next parable found in Luke 13 um, needs to be added to what we are talking about. Yeshua's ministry, okay, here's something to take, uh, take in mind. Yeshua's ministry was about three years, right? My understanding is he only was in Jerusalem at the time of the feasts. Because most of the time, he's, his ministering life was in Galilee. And it seems like he only came down into Judah or in the, you know, into Jerusalem was at the time of the feast. And maybe right before there when he got baptized, that happening. But other than that, from my understanding, he's only coming down there during the feast times. And I think that's very important, too. So most of his ministering, like I said, it was in Galilee. The cursing of the fig tree story only appears in Matthew and in Mark. But there are fig tree parables in Luke. All right, so we're going to read this. Notice the judgment here based on the commandments. Remember, any kind of judgments that's going is based on what was written before. There is nothing new. Messiah has not brought anything new. Everything he's talking about is something that's been established already. So it's based on those commandments, the commandments from Mount Sinai. So, and we'll, we'll see the three years here that is alluded to in this Luke, uh, Luke 13, 1. So we'll go there and I'll read that for you. Okay? And some were present at that time reporting to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their offerings. And Yeshua answering said to them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered like this. Okay, first of all, too, my, he's talking about other things, but I, my focus isn't on that. It's just on a, a judgment idea that's behind what's being spoken about. We're going to focus on the fig part of what, what's being spoken here, okay? So then it goes on, I say to you, no, but unless you repent, you shall all perish in the same way. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Shiloh uh, uh, fell and killed them, do you think that they were greater offenders than all other men who dwelled in Jerusalem? I say to you, no. But unless you repent, you shall all perish in the same way. And he spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. That's exactly what we see, what has just happened beforehand. Remember, I, I pointed out, Messiah said he was hungry. He was in this going back and forth into the set-apart place, which was at a time of feast. He hungered and went up to that fig tree and then cursed it, okay? So here it sounds this somewhat, really, the same, same thing. And he, um, he came seeking the fruit and found none. And he said to the gardener, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig, fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it uh, even make the ground useless? And he answered it and said to him, Master, leave it this year too until I dig around it and throw manure. Or 
fertilize it. And if indeed it bears fruit, which is fruit's got to be good, okay? But if not so, you shall cut it down. So the fig tree planted in the vineyard, I think that is just interesting in itself, okay? But let's go on. Was there, what I'm looking at here, was there an overview of the last three years? The times he entered into the set-apart place and overturned the tables, warning, warnings leading up to the day of visitation. Do you think there is future implications here? Well, either way, to be safe, I say repent. So however you want to take it, if you're saying, okay, no, it's not a future. He said several times, repent. And it's interesting, he point out, whatever they were accusing these people, um, I, I think to shorten it, it was like, oh, they must have sinned real bad. That tower fell on them because they sinned real bad. And Messiah's backing up and saying, you know what? You just better repent, okay? <laughs> They're no worse off than this or that. They wasn't looking at it clearly. So Messiah just brought it all back around to the whole point of repenting, okay? So there's a lot about the fig and how Yahshua used it and the rabbis before him. This is out of uh, 1 Kings 4.25. And Yehuda or Judah in Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as Bathsheba, all the, all the days of Solomon, every man under his own fig tree. I think that's kind of interesting, okay? Because it has with it the idea, every man under his own fig tree. It, it sounded like there, it was prosperous. There was... There was obedience to the commandments, okay? So everyone had their own fig tree. Everyone was at peace with Elohim, so to speak. And we know that didn't last for very long, but I think it's an interesting saying here. So here's something I came across in a post by a Gary Alley, okay? The fig tree is one of the seven species mentioned in the Bible, this is intended to be understood as prosperity, is how I see it. A good life. You know, every man under his own fig tree, his own vine. He has his own land. That type of idea. Okay? And it's also connected directly to the promise of the Father uh, to be accessed from anyone who's walking out righteousness. To be shalom. Come whole in completeness for one's life. Not that you don't have little stresses, not that you don't have issues, but you'll have everything that you need to have a whole and complete life with man and with Elohim at the same time. That's what I see behind this. And I know I might be straying here from the cursing of the fig tree, but I think all this is necessary to even really understand what's going on with the fig tree and the cursing and what's going on, okay? So I, for me, I'm just showing you how... Actually, I'm showing you my process of where I've gone looking at, okay, what does this, what does all this mean, okay? So, with this gentleman, he posted the Israel seven species, the fig, okay? Amos was a, a, a poet, uh, a poet as well. This is that, the prophet, okay? 
probably because of the figs summer picking season. Another name for figs found in the Bible is summer fruit, okay, or kayats, okay? The Hebrew word kayats also means summer, okay? And shares the same root and sounds very similar to the Hebrew word for the end. It's kets, okay? So there's a, a word play here, okay? Like all biblical prophets, almost uh, often, Amos often utilized poetry and alteration for his poetic delivery. He expounded, expounded a vision given to him by the Lord where a basket of figs or summer fruits, okay, kayats, alluded to the end, kets, the destruction of Israel, okay? So, and this is what it says, the sovereign Yahuwah showed me this, and I saw a basket of summer fruits, and he said, what do you see, Amos? Amos, I replied, a basket of summer fruit, okay? And the Lord said to me, the said to me, the end has come for my people Israel. I will no longer overlook their sins. So you can see this idea of the fig being associated with obedience to the commandments, sinning and judgment, okay? All being wrapped up here. Seeing how the fig was used in the past is how I'm approaching what is in Matthew or in or what is you are spoken of in the New Testament, okay? So the parable of the fig tree and its fruit is about the children obeying their father's Torah. From the, uh, from the first Passover to today, same commandments, same, the same parable applies to any and all who call upon the name of the Lord. That is how I'm seeing it. The feasts are a blueprint, not, um, not just to look at like a, a blueprint, all right, but something to follow and something to be interactive in, okay, which is our lives, okay? So, he is speaking this over the fig tree is just, uh, so whatever he's speaking over this fig tree, I believe is just as relevant as it was then as it is for us today. So, it goes on to say what this gentleman wrote. Out of Jesus' most famous prophetic teachings also alludes to the fig's relationship to the end and judgment. Jesus taught that when the fig tree buds, one knows that summer is approaching and its fruit will be ripe for picking. The fig is a seasonal reminder that God's judgment does not tarry. All right, so now we're starting to get back to the idea of this cursing of the fig tree where he was coming and the, it said the figs were not yet. It wasn't the season of figs, but yet there should have been the beginnings of those figs, Okay. So then, uh, and then it goes on to this. Learn this parable from the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see these ha things happening, know that the uh, know that it is near, right at the door. And he's talking about end times idea here. Okay, which I think is kind of very very interesting. So let's look at the pattern found in the cycle of the feast. Because again, 
why I'm bringing the feast into this, the fig tree in this parable we see is clearly at the time of Passover, which is in an appointed time in a schedule amongst the feasts. Because So the feasts play a part in this, okay? So let's look at the pattern found in the cycle of feasts. They are his feasts, remember, they're not Jewish feasts, they are Yahuwah's feasts. Anyone who's obeying Yahuwah and following him, they are appointed times for his children or whoever they may be. Whatever color skin you have, whatever belief system or denomination that you come from or one of whatever, however that might be, they are yours and they are yours to follow. And the interesting thing is the way they are designed, they are physically designed to do year by year which I have to bring in this idea again. There are visitation times with the Father, just like Yeshua is saying. You missed your day of visitation. You missed the day that I'm visiting with you. And the feasts are just that. They are visitation times, okay? So let's go on. So here I have what could the summer time be alluding to because we're going to look at these feasts yes joe yes i yes that plays a part in this your he said the end and we do see the end uh as we saw here it's playing a part in all this so what i figured i'd do um is go over this real briefly again okay we have spring feasts and we have fall feasts Okay, we have Passover, unleavened bread, the first fruits, and then we have Pentecost or Shavuot. Okay, it's somewhat, and it's interesting, the Pentecost or Shavuot, it's like that, I view it as it's the, the spine of the book, if, if you will. It what holds both pages, both sides of the book together. Okay, and then we have trumpets. Then we have the Day of Atonement. Then we have Tabernacles. Those are in the Fall Feast. So the cursing of the fig tree, it's at the time of Passover. Right at that time of Passover. So keep that in mind. And I, I'm hoping this will help. You know, having this visually in your mind, it puts Messiah in a place in time. Okay when he's talking about whatever he's talking about, okay? And like I said before, all the things that come along with what happened at Passover have to be brought with Messiah when he's in Jerusalem at the time of Passover, okay? All the history, all the illusions, all that has to come with him. He's not rewriting anything new. He's just demonstrating something that has already been said, okay? So... We have seen how judgment plays a role, like Joe was saying. Judgment plays a role in this fig tree. I'm going to read Luke 21 as you look at the chart, okay? Because remember where he's at. He's, he's at Passover looking at a fig tree, and we have this illusion of these figs of summer fruit that there's, you know... They're not, they're, not, they're not going to be ready when they need to be ready because he says they're not even going on when they should be there, okay? So Luke 21, 29, and he spoke a parable to them. 
Look at the fig tree. Oh, I'm sorry. And you see that red area? Because at the time of Pente uh, Pentecost, right at that, that, that center line there, which would be Shavuot, we start to move from spring into what? Summer. And that's how these, remember, the fig is associated with being the summer fruits. Okay, so that puts us right in that idea. And we see it, trumpets is usually associated with the day of judgment and atonement right after that. So you can, so Messiah, I believe, or what I want you to see is he's at Passover. And as I read this, start going along because he's talking ahead. Because if that fruit's not being there, he's talking ahead past Shavuot to the day of judgment and being prepared. So, and he spoke this parable to them. Look at the fig tree and all, and all the trees. When they have already budded, observe it. You shall know for yourselves that summer is now near. Of course, as soon as spring's there, what's, what's the fruit's getting ready for summer. And what's in summer, right? after? I think the day of summer was yesterday, right? According to Gregorian or whatever, the first day of summer. So it's this preparation time. Anyhow. They have already budded, observing it. You shall know for yourselves that summer is now near. You also, when you see these matters take place, know that the reign of Elohim is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation shall by no means pass away until, until all shall be ta taken place. The heavens and the earth shall pass away, but my words shall by no means pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down by gluttony, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. The day come to you suddenly. See, even with this fig tree, the association with judgment and being prepared and putting forth that fruit, which is based in the commandments. For it shall come as a snare on those dwelling on the earth, uh, uh, on the face of the land or the face of the earth. Watch then at all times. Another way I could say watch then. Celebrate the feast of all times so you know these, know these things. So you are part of this and you see these happening. So... Then you go, oh, I'm sorry, uh, watch then at all times and pray that you be counted worthy to escape. All this is to take place and to stand before the son of Adam and he, the son of Adam, and he was teaching in the set apart place by day, but at night he went out and stayed on the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the set-apart place to hear him. Now, isn't it interesting what I was saying? It's mentioning the set-apart place here. That's only, where is that set-apart place? There's only one place this set-apart place is. And that's in Jerusalem. So this is the time of a feast time of some, one of the feasts. I forgot to look up exactly where it was, but I'm... I would be guessing if it's talking about the fig tree, it seems to match up with uh, Matthew and Mark at the same time, this whole idea of the fig being there, okay? So where is that set-apart place? Here's another thing I got to add in here. 
Is it not on a mountain? It's on a mountain, too. Now, that's going to play a very big part as we really look at this fig tree cursing, okay? That's why I'm going, um, this is what I've done. I've gone back, and I really want to understand this parable, okay? So let me read Jeremiah. I've got to go back again because we're going to make sure that we bring all, all that we can forward so we understand Messiah whenever he's talk, whatever he's talking about or whatever he's alluding to. Jeremiah 24, 1. And Yahweh showed me, and look, there were two baskets of figs set bef before the hakel, uh, which would be the house of Yahweh, the temple area, the temple. After Nebuchadnezzar, sovereign of Babel, had exiled Yochim. Uh, oh, sorry about this. I don't know these names. I should have practiced this a little bit more. Um, he had exiled Yaho, uh, Yahu, a son of Yachim, Yachim, sovereign of Judah. Okay, so he's specifically talking about Judah in their exile into Babylon, and the heads of Judah with the craftsmen and with the smiths from Jerusalem. He brought um, brought them to Babel. One basket had good figs, like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very spoiled figs, which could not be eaten. They were so spoiled. And Yahweh said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah, or Jeremiah? And he said, figs, the good figs, very good. And the spoiled, very spoiled, which could not be eaten. They are so spoiled. It's interesting. He's really elaborating on how bad these figs were and how good the good ones were. Okay. Again, the word of Yahuwah came to me saying, Thus says Yahuwah, the Elohim of Israel, like these good figs, so do I acknowledge the exiles of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good, unto the land of the Chaldeans or the land of Babylon. Okay. And I shall set my eyes on them for good, and I shall bring them back to this land, and I shall build them and not pull them down, and they shall be plant, uh, and they shall plant them and not pluck them up. I shall give them a heart to know me, that I am Yahuwah, and they shall be my people. And that determining my people, I've seen that in a sense. There's one thing say, yeah, he's our God or whatever, but to become his God, you've got to be doing what he's asking. That's how you become his people. That's how you become his children. Okay, not just by profession, professing something. Okay, it's determining the actions of what you do according to his commandments. That's my theology, I will tell you right off. So I shall give them a heart to know me, that I am Yahuwah, and they shall be my people, and I shall be their Elohim. For they shall turn back to me with all their heart, everything that they got. And as the spoiled figs that could not be eaten because they are so spoiled, for thus says Yahuwah, so do I give up to uh, Zadok, uh, Zadok Yahu, I think it was uh, uh, righteous Yahu, the sovereign of Judah, his heads, the rest of Jerusalem who remain in this land and those who dwelt in the land of Egypt. And I shall make them a whore to all the reigns of the earth for evil, to be a reproach and to be a byword, a mockery and a curse. And all the place 
to which I drive them, and I shall send the word, the, uh, send, the, send the sword, the scarcity of food, and the pestilence among them till they are consumed from the land that I have given them and their fathers. So what's going on? Real quick, a brief going on. The father says to disobedient uh, Judah at that time, okay? Because the other house, the northern kingdom, they've already been dispersed and punished, okay? They're not there. So this is specifically about Judah going into Babylon. He says, you know what? I'm going to bring in Nebuchadnezzar, okay, my servant. He's going to take you captive, take you into Babylon. You know what? I'm going to bless you wherever you go. Just go where I tell you. But if you think you're going to get away from my little discipline and run to Egypt, okay, and try to defy my discipline, then you see the difference between an obedient fig and a disobedient fig. He's dividing the people out there and what they're doing, all right? So you have to get the full picture here, all right? So these very spoiled figs are the ones who did not want to go into Babylon. And I would say, if I can remember correctly, they were saying, oh, you know, that whole idea of, oh, don't worry about that prophet. That's not going to happen. We are God's people and blah, blah, blah. You know, everything's going to be fine when Yahweh says, no, it's not fine right now. Okay? And I'm going to put forth some discipline on you and take it because I'll prosper you where I'm going to send you. Okay? But those who didn't. So, no, we have good... So now we have a good background on the fig tree and how it's used to relate, relates to Elohim's people. And it seems that the figs is a specific to the leaders and the fathers. We've seen that, okay? How the figs were pointed out, uh, the fathers. They were ripened figs at one point, and then they followed Valpior, okay? And then we see the fig tree in amongst the vineyard, all right? So to me, it seems like, okay, there's a separation here. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't just take that idea of fig tree. And for all people, I agree too, okay? But I'm just trying to look at how it's divided out because we have to see what's happening ultimately with Messiah, what's happening there as well. So the one, um, so regardless, the one consistent picture uh, in any way that you want to apply the parable is the relationship to the commandments. You cannot get away from that, okay? However, you, however you've heard the fig tree analogy, the cursing or whatever, all right? I'm, I'm not putting those down because a lot of it I agree with, but the one thing that I see, Messiah didn't write any new laws, okay? So it has to do with the old commandments that will not go away. So you have to bring those in anytime you're talking about the cursing of the fig tree or whatever Yeshua or Jesus is talking about. You cannot separate that. It's nothing new. Messiah's not doing anything new. So, the, um, so that consistent picture is about, um, must be applied to the relationship to the commandments. All this then will be the foundation on what will follow in the conversation that Yeshua will have next, okay? I know we probably strayed so far from that, and you're like, what was the conversation about? Well, we'll get back to that, okay? So hopefully some of these things that we touched upon, you know, I want to bring along with that conversation as Messiah's talking, okay? And what, however he's talking. 
So Matthew thought, and this is my belief here too, again, Matthew thought it was important to record uh, it this way so we should understand it in the light of the past as well. Okay? However the author was thinking. Um, and my desire and goal, uh, I, and I'm assuming is yours too, is to understand it with a real clarity in the meaning, the clarity of meaning to what's going on, okay? We don't want to think one thing that never was intended. And that's what I've been doing over the years, is reanalyzing my own theologies and ideas. Where did I get them from? Are they good? Weigh them out. And I find some of them are lacking. <laughs> and I found some of them, yeah, they are right on, but they needed more added to them. Okay? So I'm not putting down anything that anyone has learned in the past because, I mean, we all are growing and I am as well. I'm learning uh, uh, new things all the time. And I'm, all this is because of what is coming next. Now we're going to look at the, the curse on the fig tree again, okay? Through the new information we have gathered, we have more background, and now we need to really put it in its context, too. If we don't, then we, may, um, we don't, then maybe not understanding the curse in the comments by his taught ones, his apostles as well. We may not understand those. How they were understanding the whole situation around the timing of the fig tree curse, it wasn't out of nowhere. And he decided to, to do this for a reason, okay? Again, this goes back to the time and the setting of the cursing of the fig tree. He was in Jerusalem at the time of a feast, of a day of a visitation. I believe it, is, it has everything to do with the timing and the place and the events going on right at that time. And that's what I, I found over the years so much. I've learned more about my, Messiah when I've studied the feast and put Messiah, oh, <laughs> into the feast. You know, having him outside, trying to understand some of what he's talking about and not having the information about the feast. I'm not saying I missed, uh, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying I missed so much. I can't tell you the first time I celebrated Passover. And I'll tell you this, I thought to myself, my Christian brothers are being robbed. That was on my mind, you know? None of them have come to Passover. They, they're being robbed of who Messiah is in a deeper way, knowing him more. Because I, the first time I did Passover, I'll tell you what, I know I got closer to Yeshua, all right? And I, I'm sure that's going to be for anyone. So that's out there. So Matthew 21, where we were. I'll read this. And then I'll leave it open, and then we're going to have to come back next week because there's just other things, and then we'll really look at it again here. So let me read this, and we can compare us, and I'd like to get some of your insights, okay? And then next week, we'll come together, and we'll see 
Okay, is that way to some of this other information that we have or whatever? So we're going to have fun. There's no wrong answer either. Because to be quite honest, when I was putting this together, I had a certain mindset. Oh, and I'm like, no, I can't use that anymore. That's not that it was wrong, but it didn't fit completely into this idea that was going on in my head. So anyhow, Matthew 21. Okay, this is where we're at in Matthew. And having left them, he went outside of the city of Bethany and um, spent the night there. And returning to the city early in the morning, he became hungry. And seeing a single fig tree by the way, remember all what we learned about the figs and stuff, he came to it and found not on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered. And his taught one, seeing it, marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither so soon? And Yahshua answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have belief and do not doubt, you shall not only do what is done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, I did that purposely, be removed and be thrown into the sea, it shall be done. And whenever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So, trust and do not doubt. I'm just showing some things out here. Moving mountains, praying, trusting, and receiving. What does all this mean? It's the traditional understanding that the real understanding... Uh, I'm sorry, I wrote that wrong. Is the traditional understanding, okay? The real understanding of how the apostles understood it. <laughs> I know I get some crazy notes sometimes when I'm writing. So, meaning, are we, we want to understand it how the apostles understood it. And I'm saying, again, some of the traditional things that have been brought out about the fig tree, I'm sure you've been exposed to and heard some. Are they really what? Is it really how the apostles understood it? Or how they were understanding what Messiah is talking. Not that some of the traditional things that come out of this are wrong, okay? I'm just saying, is there something deeper here? Maybe, I don't know, okay? Because actually, I haven't finished all this yet. And that's interesting. Okay, this cursing of the fig tree is found in Mark. I, um, like I said, let's read it now before... Uh, before we start really putting all this together. So I'm sorry, I want to read Mark here too. But we're going to have some time for you guys here, okay? And on the next day, as you can see, the, the time and the placing, what's going on here. And on the next day, uh, but this is in Mark. On the next day, when they had come out of Bethana, he was hungry and seeing at a distance a fig tree having leaves. He went to see whether he would find any fruit on it. And when he came to it, he found none but leaves. Hmm. For it was not the season of figs. And Yeshua responded and said to it, let no, no one eat. It's interesting here. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. It's worded a little bit different than Matthew. Matthew saying, produce no fruit no more. And remember, the book of Matthew is written to a, Judy, a Jewish audience who is familiar with how the rabbis talk in a different way. Mark was not. So Mark is writing a little bit different to people that may not understand what was going on here, may not have got 
the illusion of, or understood uh, the format on the teaching format, okay? So again, and Yeshua responded, uh, said, said to it, to the fig tree, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his taught ones heard it. Then we'll jump down and when, um, jump down to 19. And when evening came, he went out of the city and in the morning passing by, he saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. What I thought is he came to it and none but leaves were on it. None but leaves. Just like in the garden. <laughs> to me, I see this association about the leaves. There was only leaves there, right? Maybe if we obeyed from the beginning, producing good fruit, we would have no, no need to run and hide and cover ourselves with leaves. I'm alluding to the whole thing. Back in, even in the garden, if they would have, if one would, if we, because it's all of us at fault, if from the very beginning, if we would have just obeyed and produced righteous fruit, right? But we didn't. We failed. And no fruit was on that tree, so we had to go get the leaves. That's all we had to cover ourselves. We didn't have any righteous fruit. And Yeshua answered and said to them, Have belief in Elohim. That's a key thing. For truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what, he's, what he says shall be, shall be done, he shall have whatever he says. Because of this, I say to you, whatever you ask, whenever you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you hold whatever against anyone, forgive, so that your Father in the heavens shall also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither shall your Father in the heavens forgive your trespasses. Trust in Elohim. Again, that's the commandments. To trust him is to do his commandments. And there's no New Testament yet, so that's the only way you're going to trust in him is do with the things that he said beforehand, okay? I just thought it's a New Testament, not a new commandment, okay? Meaning we have this thing called the New Testament, and I think that's all right. It's testifying, but it's not called the New Commandments. It's called the New Testament. So we have people testifying to the commandments of the past, so it's not called the New Commandments of the Bible. That's just something I was just thinking about. So, so here's the things that we're going to look at here. And this is where we'll have to close. Let me read these. Where is he? Is he on a mountain? Messiah, at this time of the fig tree. Okay? Is he... Is he on a mountain? What just happened prior to the cursing of the fig tree, if you can remember? And that's why I'm going to leave it here this week. I'll get some comments, but you have to go back because it... Who was upset with him to the point of plotting his death? Is the, is the fig specific with the leaders of Israel 
at that time? These are questions I ask myself, and I'm still gathering some information. So to really understand all this about the cursing of the fig tree and the, curse, and the casting of mountains into the sea, okay, we have this other idiom out of nowhere, okay? Into the sea, we need to take into account all that we have gone over. That's my belief anyhow on this subject. The beginning of the account started upon entering Jerusalem at the time of Passover. I know I keep saying that, but I think that plays a part in this. What I want to do next is compare Matthew and Mark's account side by side. So, but I want to stop there. We'll do that next week. That will give you time to like, okay, I'm going to refresh myself. Go read in Matthew where he came into Jerusalem. See what all is going on. Maybe my request is kind of really analyze it. Ask yourself questions maybe you've never asked before. Like, is he on a mountain? Is he in this set-apart place? Why does he choose a fig tree? Okay, and all these that we've talked about. So I want to leave it open right now for you. we got to have a couple minutes. If you have any comments or suggestions or maybe some corrections you want to bring towards me, please feel free. And after we get done, we'll close in prayer. And then you guys got homework again. So we have uh, over here. I had a quick question. Okay. Since I got the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Another great place to look for the the fig tree is Micah, chapter 4. Some powerful verses here where it talks about, just like you quoted in Kings. Let me just read those, and then you can think about them how you want to. Micah 4, 3. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off, and he shall bear their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And then verse 4 of chapter 4 of Micah. But they shall sit every man under his vine, under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of Yahweh of hosts hath spoken it. Um, being a law guy, one reason you don't, you're not afraid to do that is because you have property rights. You have a right to that, yeah. that vine tree. You have a right to the property that grew the vine tree. So... Now, it's, uh, thank you, John, because it's interesting because next week we are going to look at those verses out of Micah. And it's interesting, um, it's end times, so to speak. And I'm not one that really gets into the end times. And if I do, it's going to be really basic basic, because that's how I understand it. Know the times and season. Know the feast. Know the certain things that are going on. So we're going to see how that, and we saw how already in Micah how the fig tree is associated with the end times. But yet summer's in there. And then we have Messiah alluding to, get your act together. You just went through Passover. (laughs) I'm feeding you. Get to the mountain. Get the commandments. Do them because judgment is coming, right? Sister. Um, I was looking up some things with regards to the fig tree that I didn't know and um, kind of follow along. Some figs actually produce twice a year, spring, Mm -hmm. fall, and they can produce fruit as early as two years. So if he had been coming to Jerusalem, you know, more than two years, he would be able to expect that there should be fruit on there. 
and they don't do well under a lot of stress. So to me, that, was, that speaks of trusting him mm-hmm. and being obedient because you only have that peace when you're obedient. And the other thing was um, if, you, if it has pests, and that one verse you were reading, it said that he'd bring the sword, scarcity of food, and pestilence. Well, lack of nutrition, lack of water, and pests are one of the things that can really stress the tree out so it doesn't produce. That's interesting. Oddly enough, though, they don't always produce well in ideal conditions. They need a, just a little bit of stress. And so I thought of that in terms of is our walk with him as we're learning and we're growing. And they are only pruned the first few years. Once they're trained, yeah. they don't have to be pruned like they did in the beginning. And I just really saw that as an application to our lives. Yeah, if, you don't, if you're not training yourself, then you're not going to be producing that fruit. Joe. Okay, uh, Polly, going back to Genesis, when after Adam and Eve sinned, the uh, the fig trees was a uh, kind of a um, uh, trying to do it for themselves. The sin against God. Yes. Okay. Now, if the fig trees, as in Amos, where it says the summer and the end, could it not be that a mankind's uh, in in a summer, he cannot save himself. And then, with when Christ uh, killed the animal, to or when Jehovah killed Henson, killed the animal, that was a, a for or prophecy of Christ dying for our sins, as the the Lamb of the God was slain for the foundation. Yes. No. I uh, some of what you said. Yes. I believe. I, I see that. So um, what we'll do is I have to close now. So you know where I'm going with this. And so next week, um, maybe we can really finish up on a lot of this. You know, and to me, it's important. I think it's important to understand these. And you can be judge of that next week. So you can bring even some stones if you're disappointed. Um, I'll be right here. Okay. So So thank you. Thank you, Ralphie. Let me close. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Be with us, Father, as we look into your words and guide us. We thank you for our, everything that you do. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here. Thank you for your time. Those online will be back um, shortly in about 20 minutes or so. Thank you. I know I went over a little bit.